Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a couple of bedtime stories. Before we begin, my friends over at the 13 Podcast are putting on the best series right now, and they're on episode 3, where they so generously asked me to play a character. So go catch that over at the 13 Podcast. Now, on to the scares. This first story I have for you this week is by Courtney Patton. Courtney is 32 years old and lives in West Texas with her husband and their six dogs. Courtney has been obsessed with horror since she was a little kid and listens to every horror podcast she can get a hold of. Her favorite hobbies include playing guitar, writing horror stories, and playing Soulsborne video games, which I think means she's also a sort of masochist. If you've ever played Dark Souls, then you get what I'm saying. Tonight, Courtney has for us Reign of Terror. This account is going to sound insane, but I don't care at this point. And writing this down is the only way for me to get my story out. The true story. I am not sure how or why this has happened to me. I am just the average person working the mediocre job with the ordinary life. I'm sitting in the interrogation room of the police station, reflecting on the events that have occurred over the last several hours. Luckily for me, the room at least has a window with a view outside. I chew my nails and my stomach churns, the taste of copper strong on my tongue. I watch the weather rage as the lightning strikes are nearing a state of constant occurrence. Through the downpour, I watched my husband David arrive as I sat in a state of shock. I can see the officers talking to David, but I can't make out what they are saying. They just periodically look at me through the window before returning to their discussion. I know what the cops must be thinking. Hell, I would have shipped myself off to the loony bin already if, if I were them. After listening to the story I just told, the 
blood that stains nearly every inch of the white shirt I'm wearing doesn't help my case in the slightest. I wince as I absentmindedly brush my fingers over the deep gashes that decorate my wrist, looking around the cramped and sterile environment. I lean back into the icy cold chair provided to me by the officers and let my mind wander back to this morning. David and I don't often have time just to enjoy one another's company as we work opposite shifts. On this day, however, we were lucky enough to share a day off, and I planned to make the most of it. It was raining this morning with the same intensity of the current downpour. One of the things I love about David is that he shares my admiration of rainy days. Most people tend to get depressed and whine about the inclement weather, but not us. After a fulfilling and much-needed lovemaking session, David and I took part in our second favorite activity, a mid-morning nap. As I was right in the middle of a dream, reminiscent of our morning activities, I was jarred awake by the sound of David's loud yet quivering voice coming from the bathroom. I rolled my eyes and took a nice long stretch as I sat up in bed. Having been married for ten years, I had grown accustomed to David's nearly daily pranks which ranged from trying to scare me or flat gross me out. Brian, Brian, David said in a pleading voice as though he was on the verge of tears. I got to my feet, though. Not in any hurry, as all the ways he could be messing with me coursed through my mind. I glided across the room stealthily in preparation for a jump scare. As I rounded the corner into the bathroom, my eyes met with that of my husband's, and the sheepish grin quickly melted from my face. David stood in the corner of the bathroom, his shape eclipsed by the towering figure standing before him. The figure stood a good half-foot taller than David, who was six-foot-one himself. The thing was a nauseating shade of gray, and it glistened with a type of slime as the light of the bathroom gleamed off of it. Water from the downpour outside dripped from its hair and pooled on the floor around its feet. A deep, rattling noise came from its chest as it took short, labored breaths. Its horrid attributes were at the bottom of my list of concerns, however, as I quickly realized the creature was a distorted and nightmarish version of me. The beast, sensing my presence, snapped its head unnaturally to gaze at me, revealing a wicked and toothy smile. Its breathing intensified as it seemed to grow more and more excited. Standing frozen in a state of fear and shock, I examined the creature further. Its long arms and legs bent in the wrong direction at the joints, making it resemble a dog more than a human. It wiggled its bony and pointed fingers in anticipation, much like a cowboy before drawing his pistol in a gunfight. After staring this 
walking nightmare version of myself in its yellow eyes for what seemed like an eternity. I looked again to David, and we both stood, frozen, in place. Breaking the deafening silence, David screamed at me, Run! And the moment before I turned to run, I witnessed the creature dig its claws into my husband's bare chest and rip his skin from his body as easily as pulling the skin off a piece of fried chicken. The creature then flung the handful of gore against the bathroom wall, showering me with blood. Despite every emotion flooding through my mind, my legs somehow came to life and carried me from the bathroom. In this moment of panic, I cursed myself for choosing a home with such a long and narrow hallway as I could feel the hot breath of the abomination right behind me. The monster howled like a banshee as it pursued me. I instinctively covered my ears as it resoundingly screeched in delight. When I reached the peak of the stairs, the beast managed to graze my wrist with its jagged nails on an outstretched and slimy arm. I cried out in agony as I felt the flesh of my arm tear in the grasp of the monster. I somehow managed to free myself from its clutches and made it outside into the rain, sprinting all the way to my car. I turned to look back for just a moment. Sure that I was moments away from death, I squinted my eyes in the downpour to see... nothing. The monster was no longer behind me. Not wanting to question this good fortune, I pulled the keys from my pocket, shoved them into the ignition, and floored it out of my driveway. I raced through the tears and the blood running down my face all the way to the police station. Now, here I sit, having just been informed that my husband is here to take me to the hospital, to get me treatment for my self-inflicted wounds and my ongoing condition. The officer looked at me with sympathy in his eyes, as he said, I hope you get the help you need, lady, before leaving me alone again. At this point, I have accepted my fate. How can I go on with what I have just witnessed? Maybe I am crazy. Perhaps I have completely lost my mind, and at this point, I hope it's true. I say this because as I have been writing this, my gaze has met with David's. His pale face stares back at me through the window. I can't help but notice the faint yellow glint in his eyes and the small smile at the corner of his mouth growing larger by the second. Our second tale of the evening is by Zach Palmer. Zach is returning with the third installment of his doll series, all starting from a prompt discovered in our lovely little Discord family. From this, there's been several other stories he's written within the same universe that he's been developing and refining. Apart from appearing on Scare You to Sleep thrice, Zach has been published in many of his local library and university journals, but seeks to publish his own personal collection. Most of his creative time is spent detailing scary stories, costuming for cons, or dungeon mastering for his home Dungeons & Dragons games. 
Should you wish to reach out to Zach regarding this story or any others, he invites you to at zachxcpalmer at gmail.com. That's Z-A-C-H-X-C-P-A-L-M-E-R at gmail.com. And this is Forced Puppet. Summer vacation came to a close, faster than any of the ones before it. Charlie spent the three-month-long recess, tending to the bedside of her mother. The beeping of a heart monitor, often becoming her late-night lullaby. While she loved her mother dearly, Charlie couldn't bring herself to look her mother in the face. Illness had stripped it from any recognition of the woman she once was, A layer of plastic mesh covered one side of her face, hiding the worst of the facial scars. But the reaching blemishes that peeked through were just enough to inspire endless nightmares in Charlie. She woke up in tears, frightened selfishly that she too might have a face riddled with scars and patches of dry skin, so withered it cracked and fell off in flakes. The same dream would come to her, staring at a sink with bits and pieces of her face falling off in clumps. By the time she looked into the mirror, her face was her mother's. My sweet Charlotte. Her mother reached for her hand. Charlie did her best not to grimace as the scaly skin embraced her own. I'm sorry you have to spend all your time looking after your poor mother. You should be out playing with friends and enjoying your life. It's okay, Mom. I'm here for you. Don't you worry. The truth of her mother's words was hard for Charlie to swallow. Clearly, there was a detriment to not spending time making friends. She worked hard at school. Learning didn't come easy to her, and what free time she did have was spent looking after her ailing mother or working the local grocery store checkout line. The only thing Charlie really looked forward to about returning to school was seeing him again. Junior year was just on the horizon, and a strange but interesting boy had transferred to Grand Oak High the year before. Charlie shared a few classes with him. He was mostly quiet, likely sensitive from his oddly shaped frame and particularly high voice. Oliver and his mother had moved from out of town. Most of the kids in school kept their distance from Oliver, but not Charlie. She found him to be sweet and endearing, and his bright green eyes could hold her gaze for hours on end. What are you thinking about, dear? Her mother's croaky voice snapped her back to reality. Oh, nothing. Charlie's face flushed, becoming almost as pink as her mother's. Normally, nothing doesn't cause a reaction like that. While bedridden, her smile was still sincere. You have a good first day at school, hon. I will. I gotta go before I'm late, actually. You'll be okay until I get home? Charlie's mother simply nodded. A few flakes of departed skin falling from underneath the mesh mask. The teen ran to her car out in the driveway, 
a 68 Mustang Fastback in olive green color. It started up with a sputter of black smoke out of the tailpipe, as was usual. The wheels squealed as Charlie pulled the car out of the driveway, threw the transmission into reverse, and sped off towards the high school. When she was younger, she would have to walk a few blocks to school, but when you were old enough to have a vehicle, you showed off that vehicle. The muscle car peeled into the school's parking lot and whirled around a crowd of crossing students who turned and waved at Charlie. She parked, slightly crooked, into one of the few spaces allotted for student vehicles. Hopping out of the driver's door window, she kept rolled down. The door didn't open or shut. Charlie was working on that still. She grabbed her canvas bag and slung it over her shoulder. About time you got here, a voice called from the stairwell leading into the school. A smiling caramel face with espresso freckles greeted Charlie. Curls framed her face down to her jawline. Jasmine, it's been too long, Charlie shouted, rolling up the sleeves on her green military jacket. I missed you. The girls embraced into a long hug. Charlie lifted up Jasmine by the waist. Yeah, Jasmine rubbed a finger under her nose. Sorry about that, girly. Life's been crazy. I had to take a year off to handle a few things. We can grab a coffee later and I'll give you all the dirty details, okay? You'd better, punk. Charlie felt like a different person around Jasmine. They never really talked about her mom, but instead about everything else in their immediate reach. They were good for each other, distracting from the chaotic world around them. Charlie wondered if maybe Oliver had someone like that. Someone that would make the world seem different. So, I hear we have a new kid. Jasmine broke Charlie's daydream. Oh, yeah, Oliver. Is he around? Um, let's see. Charlie scanned the rest of the students heading into the open doors, and then out over the parking lot. I haven't seen him yet. Bummer. Jasmine hopped down from her step onto the pavement and started walking away from the front doors. Hey, loser, school's this way. Oh, yeah. Jasmine put a hand on the back of her head. I actually have something I gotta take care of at home first, but I'll see you for coffee later, okay? She looked both ways, making sure no instructors had eyes on her, before bolting across the parking lot and leaping the fence. Charlie watched her friend tumble over the iron gate, catch her leg, and fall flat on her face. She couldn't help but laugh and quickly averted her eyes when... Jasmine looked up to see if anyone was watching. When Charlie looked down at the pavement, a wooden doll sat at the base of the stairs. It was one like what an artist would use to sketch different poses. Jasmine was a budding artist, so it might have been hers. But when Charlie looked back up, the artist-to-be had already vanished to take care of whatever it was. Charlie held the figurine in her hands, staring at it. The grain of the wood looked like it had a face, or at least a couple of eyes. Weird. Guess I'll hand it back when I see her for coffee later. Charlie spoke really to just herself. As she placed the doll in her bag, she felt a sharp pain at the tip of her finger. Staring at it, a small droplet of blood began to gather. Charlie sucked on her finger, feeling around for the splinter with her tongue. 
but the wound was clean, and when she took her finger out, it had already stopped bleeding. The teen shrugged it off and began walking up the concrete steps leading to Grand Oak High School. To the right of the front door, a plaque bore the school's groan-worthy slogan, a building with four walls and tomorrow inside. With canvas bags slung over her shoulder, Charlie walked her way down the white tile halls. The paper in her hand had a rough scribbling of her homeroom number. Her mother's shaky handwriting covered the page. Blue crayon decorated the page in illegible handwriting. Come on, is that a four or is that a nine? Charlie interrogated the piece of paper. Maybe I can help? A high-pitched voice spoke up from behind Charlie. She spun on her heels to the smiling face of Oliver. Oliver always had the biggest smile on his face, grinning ear to ear. It was infectious. Oh, gosh, Oliver. She took a deep breath. Hi. Hello, Charlotte. Do you need help finding something? (laughs) I know it's been all summer, but... Surely you remember I go by Charlie. Charlie, that's right. What's wrong, Charlie? Oliver's burdened eyes sparkled. Well, you see, I can't tell. Charlie had to remind herself what exactly she was doing. Seeing Oliver caught her well off guard. His face was like that of porcelain, the complete opposite of her mother's. Oh, yeah. I can't tell which homeroom is mine. I know which one is right, Charlie. Oliver spoke without even looking at the page. We're in the same homeroom together. I can show you. Follow me, Charlie. Oh, are you sure? I don't want to be a burden. Another shift in tone and personality. She couldn't keep the same confidence she had around Jasmine. Something about Oliver was so much more. Charlie couldn't really name it, but in the presence of Oliver, she felt like she was in the presence of something greater. Without a word, Oliver began walking down the hallway. Charlie gathered herself and strode behind him. She noticed his hair had grown a great deal, and the chestnut coloration had brightened to a more sandy blonde. It was curling, too. The fine hair was so thin It was reminiscent of a doll's. The sounds of their footsteps echoed a bit louder as they descended the concrete steps leading to the basement of the school. It snapped Charlie out of her trance, looking over Oliver's hair. Are you sure the classroom is this way? I know where we need to go. Trust me, Charlie. He wasn't so forward last year. Charlie wondered where this newfound confidence sprouted from. Okay, if you say so. She wasn't convinced, but the prospect of Oliver leading her somewhere for more private conversations than a classroom offered also made her cheeks flush. They made their way down to the dimly lit basement filled with broken cafeteria tables and excess desks stacked atop one another. It smelt like old cigarettes from all the kids that sneak down here to cut class. Oliver, I'm glad we have a chance to ourselves. Me too, Charlie. It's just this way. The shrill voice continued. Puberty was strange. Well, uh, 
I just wanted to say that I'm really glad you came here from wherever you moved from. It's nice to have you around. Another sigh left her lips. <sighs> I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we're here, Charlie. The pair stood before a large metal door, one that was probably a giant cooler at some point that would slide horizontally to open up. The hallway stretched back along the long corridor, back towards where the faint bit of overhead lights could still reach. Where they were now felt beyond reach. The lights stopped working here, and thick layers of dust clung to the dilapidated furniture. The shattered desks stood atop one another, unused and blocking the way any further down the corridor. Everything stopped at this door. What's in there? Charlie asked, beginning to worry about the situation. Oliver placed a hand on the steel handle. The future. The door slid open with minimal effort from Oliver. Inside was a void. A sheet of darkness sat before them, and Charlie fumbled along the wall for a light switch. Fluorescent bulbs flickered to life, revealing the interior of the room. It was completely empty, besides a chair sitting in the middle of the room. Charlie felt cold. Oliver, what's going on here? I think I need to leave. We're, um, we're late for class. No, Charlie, please. Then Oliver motioned towards the chair with a flat palm. I need your help. Put your bag in the corner. The voice never changed tone. It wasn't sinister, just high-pitched. Oh, okay. She began doing as she was told. The bag slumped against the corner, just enough for the wooden figurine to slide out and clatter onto the ground. That's mine, Oliver noted. I found it on the ground outside. I thought it belonged to my friend. I am your friend, right, Charlie? Yeah, of course you are, Oliver. This was the most she'd heard him talk before. Like, he had so much of a better handle of himself over the last three months. Charlie just guessed it might have been getting used to the new town. So, where do you need me? The chair? Oliver nodded. All right then. Charlie took a seat in the wooden chair. Oliver continued his never-ending smile as she did so. As they stared at each other in the space, Charlie watched Oliver's bright green eyes. In such dim lighting, they had a faint glow to them. He blinked, but only every so often like he had to remind himself to do so. Oliver grabbed the wooden doll and Charlie noticed a stain of red atop the face of the doll. Sorry about that. I... Charlie's words caught in her throat. She tried to speak, but an unseen weight pressed her lips tight. Her eyes widened as she looked at Oliver, pressing his alabaster finger against the bloodied face of the wooden doll. She tried to speak out, 
but her lips refused to pry open. You made a special connection with this very special doll, Charlie. You can help me make you a special person, just like my mother and I. The voice coming from Oliver's lips didn't change, but it no longer sounded sweet to the muffled Charlie. All I need is a bit more paint to cover the rest of the doll, and you can become one, just like I did with Oliver all that time ago. The body of Oliver pulled out an exacto knife from his pocket, walking his way towards Charlie. Rigid footfalls followed as whatever was inside Oliver fought to maintain its mask as a person. Oliver took another step forward, and another, looming over Charlie with his perfect porcelain smile. As Oliver stood over her, Charlie noticed that only her lips were bound. She could move the rest of her body. Oliver lunged. Charlie rolled out of the chair. Wood clattered against the floor as the elder wood splintered. Charlie ran out from the freezer room and slammed the door shut. She grabbed one of the broken chair legs and slid it in place of the handle. Oliver pounded on the other side of the door. Or whatever was trying to be Oliver. The chair leg held in place, bending fragmentally with each shove on the other side. Charlie took the opportunity and ran down the corridor as fast as she could, shoving against the towers of old desks. Within a moment, she bumped into a body. Whoa there, little lady. What are you doing down here? Sneaking a smoke? The janitor's raspy voice was a blessing to Charlie. She tried to speak a response, but it only came through as a muffled utterance through her still-closed lips. What's that? You gotta speak up a bit. Pounding from the steel door echoed down the hallway. Is there someone else down here? Charlie screamed through her mask of flesh, trying to convey the urgency. Stay right here. I'll go check it out. The janitor grabbed the end of his broomstick, fluffed his mustache, and slowly started walking down the hall. The silenced teen pleaded to herself how much she needed to tell the man not to open the door. She needed to tell others how seriously wrong this was. There was only one way to do that. Charlie braced herself, dug her fingernails between her lips, and heaved. Her locked skin strained against the motion and blood droplets formed around the line of her lips. She kept pulling and pulling, her lips stretched, the flesh clinging on each end like strings, pulling just a little bit more. The gory strings snapped free as Charlie tore apart her own lips. Blood poured onto the floor. Don't go in there! Charlie shouted at the top of her lungs. Later that evening, Charlie found herself in a hospital bed, with bandages wrapped around her lacerated lips. Beside her was Jasmine, coffee in hand for their scheduled afternoon hangout. Dang, so the new kid turned out to be a psycho, huh? Jasmine asked between sips of espresso. I guess. I didn't think he was up until then. Charlie still rattled from the whole experience. Her speaking was delicate and slow, sensitive from the fresh wound. Well, with you busting through your own freaking lips, 
I'd say you have a lot in common with each other. They say what happened to Oliver. I haven't heard anything. Charlie's voice was the sound of defeat. Rest up, girl. Jasmine stood up to head out the door. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll bring a straw, too, so you can have one of your own. She shook the caffeinated drink in her hand. Nightfall comes quick, and Charlie faded in and out of sleep throughout the night due to the sleeping pills. A few faint sounds caught her dreary attention. There was a clock on the wall, but it was too dark to read what time it was. The clattering sound happened again as something fell across the tile flooring. Dazed, Charlie stood up in her bed, trying to focus her eyes enough to see what lay on the floor between her bed and the doorway. It was small. It looked like a toy. Then, Charlie's heart skipped a beat. The wooden doll, the one Oliver was using, sat on the floor. Its head turned on its own to look up at Charlie. The doll got itself to its feet. As it did so, Charlie stood up from her bed as well. They walked towards one another. When the streams of moonlight shone over the wooden figure, it was dyed crimson. Charlie's heart continued to sink in despair as she couldn't move or say anything. The doll moved its right arm. So did Charlie. The doll kicked out its left leg. So did Charlie. It turned around and began walking out the doorway to leave the hospital area. So did Charlie. Together, the doll and Charlie took the fire exit out of the hospital. An alarm rang but by the time the responders came to investigate, Charlie was already gone. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to my two authors tonight, Courtney and Zach. As you can see, I kind of put your stories together in a little theme, a puppet theme. I mean, Zach came out and said puppet, but Courtney, you're... You know, there, there was some puppetry going on with the husband there at the end. So I just thought they fit beautifully together. If you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can find it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Scare You to Sleep. If you'd like to follow my personal Instagram or Twitter, it is at Shelby B. Scott. And if you'd like a story considered for the show, send it to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. And if you'd like to get ad-free versions of this show, you can subscribe to Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get ad-free versions and for $3 and up, you get bonus episodes. So go on, go on over to Patreon and get rid of those ads. But don't all of you go because I still need someone to listen to the ads because I have many, many bills to pay. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. If everyone wants to go over to Patreon, that is totally fine. I'm not your mom. I can't tell you what to do. Do it however you please. Um, let's see. Do I have any announcements? Oh, go go listen to Skin Crawl. Please go listen to Skin Crawl. Um, it's been so much fun. I, by the way, oh, I do have one announcement that I didn't, I forgot to mention at the top of the show. I will be taking Thanksgiving week off, but I will have a feed drop from Skin Crawl. 
And if you're not familiar with podcast lingo, a feed drop is when I take an episode from a different show and put it in my feed. But this one is one that I wrote and directed, and I got to personally direct Tim Heidecker for that episode. And the idea that someone like him is reading my words out loud, and I got to direct him and spend an hour talking to him. (laughs) It was just a dream come true. Dream come true. Big fan of his. So that was amazing. And yes, the episode called Mother Earth that will be out. Uh, My life is slowly getting back on track. So there will be a lot more of a steady schedule with, um, with, uh, bonus episodes and a lot more guided nightmares and things. I have two that I'm currently writing, two guided nightmares I'm currently writing, and I have bonus episodes planned for the Patreon. Uh, like I have alluded to for about a month now, my life is turned upside down a bit, um, a bit as in, uh, completely upside down fully, fully a lot of, not a bit, a lot. (laughs) So things have been, my schedule has been a little bit topsy turvy just because of, um, yeah, I, 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 everything in my life is a little bit in a temporary place at the moment. So, uh, excuse, please excuse my, um, uh, pardon my dust. What is it? They say at like theme parks, pardon my dust. Uh, This is my dust. My dust is this chaos, but I do need this week off. I'm going to be visiting my brother in Oregon and my sister-in-law, and I'm very excited. I have not needed a break this bad in ever, in ever. I think I can confidently say that. My brain is completely broken. Um, you know, I, I, again, keeping some things private, but I do like to talk to you and share things about myself. And one thing I can confidently say, and this is just between you and me. Um, I'm, (laughs) I feel like my brain has leaked out my ears and I've been in a really ugly place. So bear with me, bear with me. But, uh, you know, everyone's gone through, goes through tough times in life. And it's one of those times where, you know, it's, it's gotta get worse before it gets better type things, you know, where things just, it's, uh, it's not quite ripping off a band-aid. It's more like um, I'm in the middle of the wilderness and I've been wounded and I know I have to give myself stitches and the wound hurts and the stitches are going to hurt, but I've got to do it or I'm going to get sepsis in my wound. I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn rotten and then I'm going to die. And instead of dying or losing my arm, I just got to bear down and bite down on that stick and give myself the stitches, you know? You know, that's what it's like. So not quite ripping off a band-aid. It's um, definitely giving myself stitches in the wilderness. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go. I did I do I didn't do any baking this week. Uh, again, I just uh, life life. But uh, hoping to do a lot of it for Thanksgiving. Hoping to come back and have lots of tales of Thanksgiving things. By the way, if you have any Thanksgiving recipes, I'm my family and I are still kind of putting together our Thanksgiving. So if you have any of your favorite recipes, feel please feel free to send them to me. If you have something favorite that's like, you know, of, of course, like stuffing and like mac and cheese and stuff, that's that's stuff that like I can. But if you have anything like weird or or a different twist on something traditional, send it over to me or post it in the Facebook group or post it in Scary to Eat um, and tag me. I'm so looking forward to doing something 
something interesting for Thanksgiving. So, or I guess to my American listeners, <laughs> to all of my, to everyone else, you're like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm sure you've heard of American Thanksgiving because of TV and movies, but <laughs> you're, you're definitely not celebrating it. But hey, if you're not American, if you have some sort of tradition where you guys, you know, sit around and eat a lot for a day, send it, send me that because I'm interested in making that too. Whatever it is, what's your traditional, we sit around and eat a lot day. And what's the thing that you like most on that day? So looking forward to hearing from all of you. Okay, I'm going to go. Um, I hope you all have an excellent weekend and an excellent week. I am going to be in the wilderness, not really in the wilderness, but you know, the Pacific Northwest is, it it feels more wildernessy than most places, no matter where you are. So um, I'm going to be in that beautiful, dreary weather. That's an oxymoron, but I love rainy, dark weather. And I'm going to let my brain breathe for a week, or at least as much as it can, because life just throws you some punches sometimes, and sometimes it throws you a lot. But that's okay. And maybe someday I'll be able to talk about all this more, and I'll do a big ramble you to sleep that'll just be like, cheese may you to sleep, you know? Um, okay, I'm gonna go. I love you. Go get some sleep. Oh, wait, no, go drink water. Also, please take care of yourself. It is cold and flu season. Please take care of your body. You only have one of you, and you are important. No matter what the world is telling you, or no matter what your own brain is telling you, I say you are important. So please take care of that one body that you have, unless you're some sort of shapeshifter or um, body snatcher. Maybe you have more bodies than one. I'm, I'm just being really reductive right now, aren't I? I apologize to all my shapeshifter um, listeners out there. But for the rest of you, you only have one. So take care of it. And go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.